Hi, welcome to Diversity in the D, Season 3, Episode 7. I'm Donna, and this is my co-host. And today we're going to go over some local news. Okay, this is a story about NBA big Antoine Mullen. This case was brought to our attention by Jennifer McMullen, my sister. Thank you, Jen. Love you. In February on Grubin Avenue near Eastwood Avenue on Detroit's east side, a 37-year-old known as NBA Big Ant, who is a music producer and a podcaster, was found dead in his east side Detroit home. His family hadn't heard from him, so his sister stopped by his home on February 15th and found him shot to death inside. Right now, this is an unsolved murder, and the family of Antoine is asking the public for answers. He leaves behind two siblings and five children ages 5 to 16 years old, and also a grieving mother. If you have any leads or information, please contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP. Help this family get closure. Rest in, pe- rest in peace, Antoine Mullen. Hey, you know what? It's crazy part about it. I know you was doing him. I actually know him. I know him personally. I know him. They, what people don't know, they was, when people, when you heard Eminem scream out, Runyon Al, that's them. Oh, really? Yeah, that's him. Tails, a lot of other people I ain't going to say their names. But yeah, that's them. Yeah. yeah. He was found dead. Jenny. Yeah. My I, sister was like, hey, you should do this case. And I'm yeah, like, okay. I, I, saw that on, I saw that on Facebook a couple months ago. Yeah, because, yeah, I know him. Yeah, I feel bad. Like, <laughs> his family does need closure. I hope people do come forward. Yeah, he's a good man, too. Rest of us, Mom. The next story is a former Michigan priest who sexually assaulted a five-year-old boy. Vincent DeLorenzo who is 84 and a former Michigan priest was sentenced for sexually abusing a five-year-old after a funeral more than three decades ago. Vincent had officiated a service for the child's deceased family member before the assault. The sentence comes after a guilty plea in April in exchange for his guilty plea charges stemming from the sexual assault of another child in 1995 through 2000, who was a student at Holy Redeemer School and Church in Burton, were were dismissed. Vincent formerly lived in Flint. He was arrested in Florida in 2019 because he left the state of Michigan being a suspect. The statute of limitations resumes when they return to the state. Vincent is sentenced to a year in jail and five years of probation. He will be required to register as a sex offender for life and go to sex offender counseling and pay restitution. I don't know what's up with with these people in the church. Okay. Next case. On October 1st, 2021, a 64-year-old Conrad Markowitz laid sleeping in his bed when his 19-year-old daughter, Megan, who must have been a little brat and didn't get what she wanted, threw lye, which is a drain cleaner, on Conrad. He suffered chemical burns and survived for five months before being removed from life support on March 6th, 2022. Megan's bond was revoked after she was, after she was found guilty. She was convicted of unlawful possession or use of a harmful, harmful device or irritant causing death in domestic violence. She will be sentenced on July 25th. She will face up to life in prison. Good, that's what she gets. Right. I mean, you're going to throw something, some, some brain cleaner on your dad and kill him? Get up and get it yourself. <laughs> if you want it that bad. Right. Little brat. Okay, on June 15th, a Warren police officer noticed a black 2015 Chrysler 300, which was reported stolen from Farmington Hills in April. 
The officers tried to stop the car, but of course the driver took off. The police chased the car for 50 minutes. The chase began in Warren and ended up in Harper Woods. They finally got the vehicle to stop when three men started running in various directions from the vehicle. They were all found and arrested. In the car, they found a handgun, ammunition, a large quantity of narcotic pills, and a sum of cash that was seized by officers. One suspect is 20 and is a resident of Warren, and the other two are 19 and 20 and residents of Detroit. They all had previous convictions. Their arraignments are scheduled for June 16th at the 37th District Court. All three suspects will most likely be facing charges of fleeing and looting. Weapon possession, narcotics possession, and resisting officers. Of course. <laughs> the next one is a Detroit man accused of stabbing a burning woman after strangling her to death. Stacy Smith, 48, was found by her daughter, Kaya Smith. She was found dead in her home on Bag Road in Detroit on June 9th. Kaya said she smelled lighter fluid when she went in the home and saw her mom's leg was partially burned. Investigators say a Detroit man, Cortez Xavier Coleman, 42, stabbed her and burned her after strangling her to death to cover up the crime before fleeing. Coleman was arrested Monday and is expected to be arraigned Thursday. And the next one is Detroit police arrest two, sus- two suspects for attempting to steal a gun from a Detroit police officer. A officer who was wearing his uniform but was off-duty was gearing up for a shift at the Taylor Swift concert. He stopped at a BP located on South Hills Freeway and Joy Road around 5.30 p.m. He was paying for gas in the station when two men attacked him. One of the suspects was armed with a 9mm Glock. One of the suspects was able to get a hold of the officer's gun. The officer was able to wrestle it back from the man. Despite having the gun pointed at him, not one shot was fired. Two suspects are in custody and they are minors. They are arrested with the help of their attorneys, but no other details were provided. Tripping, tripping. That gets down right there, baby. It gets down right there. You're gonna steal a gun from an officer? <laughs> right. Out of all the people. Right. And you see he's in uniform, so it's like, okay, I'm just gonna steal this guy's gun. They like the <laughs> I think I'm gonna get away with it. Wow. Why not? Okay. That's crazy. (laughs) So, okay. Season 3, Episode (laughs) 7. I'm going to cover this case. Andrew Kehoe, the mass murderer. Andrew Kehoe was born in Tecumseh, Tecumseh, Michigan, on February 1st, 1872, to Philip and Mary Kehoe. He was one of the youngest, a family of 13 children. He attended Michigan State University where he studied, where he studied elect, electrical engineering. That, that's where he met his first wife, Ellen Pierce. She was, she was the daughter of a, wealthy, of a wealthy Lansing family. After college, Andrew went to St. Louis, Missouri, where he, where he worked as an electrician but in 1911, he suffered a severe head injury from a fall, and he was in a coma for two weeks. He moved back in with his father after the injury. When he was in Missouri, his mother had passed away, and his father remarried Francis Wilder. 
Andrew did not like her, not one bit. On, sep on September 17, 1911, the family stove exploded as Frances was lightning was lightning. She was severely burnt and later died from her injuries. Allegations said someone tampered with the stove prior to the explosion. In 1912, Andrew married Nellie Pierce and in 1919, they bought a farm outside of the village of Bath. Bath from from Nellie's aunt. Mary Mary's aunt of Andrew and, Mary, and Nellie's neighbor said was very intelligent but grew impatient and was very and was angry when people disagreed with him. He was a very neat and would change his shirt midday or whenever it became dirty. He was very cruel to animals. He had beaten a horse to death once. They said Andrew would rather would rather to tinker with machinery on the farm than actually farm. Analysis labels him as a as a dangerous injustice collector, a person who remember who remembers sites and holds a grudge for a long time. While many people hold grudges, it became dangerous when a person begins to feel like a victim and lashes out. Andrew was a was elected treasurer of the Bath Consolidated School Board in 1924. And then in 1925, he was appointed the Bath Township Clerk. In the spring of 1926, he was defeated for the position and was, and was angered by his public defeat. This is when his neighbor, Ellsworth, thought Andrew started planning his murderous revenge against the community. Another neighbor noticed Andrew stepped, stopped working on his farm and thought that he might be planning on suicide. Over these years, Nellie fell ill with, with, with tumors and was, and was in the hospital frequently. At the time, there was no, there was no effective treatment or cure for, cure for her disease. Andrew had stopped, had stopped paying the mortgage and insurance payments, and the farm was going into foreclosure. On May 16th, Nellie came home from the hospital, but Andrew killed her that day. Then he moved her body to a farm, to a farm before, before setting off an explosion in their house and farm. At the same time, he set up the explosion to go off in the in the new school building. When the school when the school exploded, it killed many students plus some adults inside. Rescuers started gathering at the school. Andrew drove up and, and stopped his truck where him and superintendent started to struggle with each other. That's when Andrew that's when Andrew detonated dynamite stored inside his truck. He killed himself and the superintendent as well as killing and injuring several others. After the bombing, investigators found a sign a sign wired to the farm fence with one with one last message from Andrew which read criminal criminals are made not born wow. the bad school disaster resulted in 44 people being killed and 58 people were injured making Andrew 
Cahill a mass murderer. Most of the victims were kids and in the second to sixth grade. The disaster remains the deadliest act of a mass murder in school U.S. history. That's wild. Yeah. The guy was psychotic. <laughs> psychotic as hell. Okay, yeah. now I'm going to work on, this is our last part of Michigan Kids Dying. It's part three. And then, if you remember, we covered the death of Trinity Chandler, who was three, in part one. It started going into the death of six-year-old Terry Adams, so I'm going to pick up where I left off. After Terry's death, Don Adams questions how CPS would have given Terry back to his mom when he had a broken arm, black eye, and trauma to his head and bruises in an early incident. From those who knew Terry and documented in medical records, Terry had a history of aggressive self-injurious behavior, but what his mom said previously didn't match the nature of the injuries according to a CPS report. Terry was taken from his from his mom before in 2021 after he was rushed to the hospital for blunt force trauma to the head. He was placed with Don Adams for 30 days. Then after his mom took parenting classes, they gave him back. On Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, CPAS was called again because Terry's mom took him to the hospital with a black and blue eye covered in scratches. Then she once again, she took classes and Terry was back in the home. Don Adams said they removed her granddaughter from the home after Terry died, and we and we have custody of her. It was supposed to be a long-term adoption, but it seems like they're doing a repeat with my granddaughter right now. So hopefully that nothing happens to Don Adams' granddaughter, which I assume would be Terry's sister. Now we go on to seven-year-old Amaya Edmond. The first time CPS saw Amaya in person... In July of 2010, three months later, after they after they had discovered abuse, she died in the hospital. CPS found evidence Amaya was being abused by her stepfather, but a face-to-face visit was never conducted after the decision was made until the day she was found dead in the hospital. Amaya was shot and killed by her stepfather. When someone broke into the home in July of 2010, the stepfather went upstairs to get his gun. He heard footsteps coming up the stairs, closed his eyes, and fired. He had shot Amaya. The stepfather was not charged for the incident in exchange for his testimony. John Edmund, Amaya's dad, said she should, not, she should have never been living with her stepfather. It was determined that CPS had failed to do required face-to-face visits after abuse claims. It did not document past complaints properly. Rest in peace, Amaya. Right, where was her mama at? That's what I'm saying. That was my brand, our last, you know, when we ended up with the last episode. It's like, okay, where are these mothers? She's living, she's living with a stepfather. That's just weird. One-year-old Charlie Brandon died in December of 2021. The week of his death, CPS was called two times because of his father, John Brandon, who overdosed in a bathroom at a gas station in his home. They tried to contact Charlie's mom at the second overdose before Charlie died, but she didn't answer the door. Then when CPS were on their way to the house to talk to her again, Charlie had drowned in the bathtub after John Brandon stepped out the door. John Brandon told investigators he stepped away from Charlie for 45 minutes, and he corrected himself and said 45 seconds. An investigator was at the house after Charlie died and saw pills on the counter, tops, and microwave, and said John's speech was blurred, and he kept repeating himself and appeared to be falling asleep. He was charged with voluntary manslaughter and second-degree child abuse in 
connection of Charlie's death in April. Charlie's mother was a good mom when she was sober, according to her ex-husband, but she told investigators she was never offered substance abuse treatment. According to federal data, kids Charlie's age and younger than one are far more likely to die from abuse or neglect than other children. As state employees take steps to correct issues, children are still dying. Since 2018, 170, 167 kids in Michigan had died of abuse or neglect when there was a CPS complaint in the prior two years. Just over 10% of those kids' stories didn't make it to the media. They're like Chase Allen of Detroit, whose mom is accused of beating him to death and shoving his body in a freezer in the basement, who is awaiting trial in Wayne County Circuit Court, or Larry Jones of Redford, Lobby Robinson of, of Holt, Ethan Belcher of Detroit, who were, were all beaten by their mo mother's partner. 10-month-old Mary Welch was 10-month-old, died of dehydration and malnutrition because her parents would not get her medical attention. Christopher Pratt of Lansing, who starved to death under his aunt's care in Lansing. Some had vowed that their child's death won't go in vain. John Edmonds vowed to his daughter, Amaya, as she lay brain dead in intensive care, he would share her story. Rest in peace to all the little angels mentioned in these cases, and to all abusers you should rot in hell for all eternity. Something really does have to happen to protect these kids by the state. Thank you, Kara Berg, for your article in the Detroit News and shedding light on the subject. That is so sad. And it's so sickening. It's the grown people that's doing it, and this other, it's the other grown people that's not giving a damn, which is the state. Well, you know what? To say it's just another mouth feed. Yeah. You know, and it's sad. It's sad that the state looks at it like this because these are innocent kids. They're being hurt. And then their excuse is, we don't have enough resources. We don't. Okay. Y'all got all the damn research, resources to lock motherfuckers up. Every chance you get, they locking somebody up, sending their ass off. But you can't take a kid out of home. Exactly. That's what I don't get. Because now the state's under investigation. You know, so That's something had to lead them to be under investigation because they're not handling these cases properly. Because that $3,000 a day for a person... Is, is is way is way more to them than innocent kids. It's sickening. Right. It starts it starts it starts with the parents and it, and then it ends with the state. But the state should be it should start from them because they should take control of the situation. Like they like they quit to arrest somebody or harm somebody for doing senseless shit. <laughs> right. So come on now. It's like you guys can't step in and take these babies out of the homes. Like, and like I said, a lot of problem is that for parents that cannot have kids and want to adopt these kids, they make them jump through hoops mm -hmm. and everything else. But you could put these kids in the foster homes of these losers that don't even care about these kids and they're just a paycheck to them mm -hmm. and not check them on, on these kids. Because these kids suffer more hands in foster cares of abuse because, no, you know, it's where the state lets these kids fall through cracks and they don't care. You, some people will have to visit their PO every week or every month, but they can put kids anywhere and everywhere and don't visit never again. No. And it's sad. <laughs> what sense do that make? It's really sad that the system, it's, it's more about money to the system than it is about our children or our, you know, just people as a whole. And they baby babies. I guess they not teenagers or 
grown they baby babies like that is sickening you know but if you don't if you don't take your kid to school they're going to make sure to threaten to shoot to charge you with truancy of your kid or something else because you know why every time you send your, your kid to school they get paid off your kid for going to school mm-hmm. so it's it's beneficial to the state but when the state has to jump in and take care of these kids it's not beneficial to the state because the state's losing money which is sad so state only cares about things that benefit them and it's all about the money but one thing i was always taught by some of the greatest every dog has their day yes so all of those people sitting on their butt behind those desks is not doing a damn thing but probably texting and doing some other crazy crap getting paid for nothing and these poor babies out here losing their life and on they on they watch because they won't want to do their job yeah but let it be one of their family members that this happens oh to. yeah then you know the table is completely turned they don't have al sharpton jesse jackson and somebody barack obama joe biden everybody up there yeah i just wanted to bring attention to that because i just want people to be aware how our state's failing these kids and like she stated in the article there are so many kids you guys don't even hear about that have died to the, the due to the system's negligence i mean it's time to really really look around and see what the state's doing to our kids and stuff and and where's the holes what we could fix what can't be fixed i mean it's just sad it's sad that so much stuff goes unnoticed or just people don't want to think about it because it's nothing to do with them it's just the stuff that they don't want us to know they're like send our kids to school they don't teach them nothing as long as they there so they can get paid off of it they send kids to school to do what and it's pass them just to be passing them they don't know nothing well that's what i'm saying like the skills you learn in school is it really going to help you in the outside world I mean, I mean, okay, yeah, you're going to use math, but are you really going to use geometry or algebra out in the real world? No. Some of that has no math and still don't know how to count money properly. <laughs> and like I said today, most kids today do not know how to do cursive. Like cursive is just like a foreign language to kids now. When we were younger, we had to learn cursive. So these kids are learning to sign their name and just print. I learned cursive in the second grade. And take me to get to middle school and all that crap to learn that crap. Like it's just, just it's those that care and then those that don't care. Everybody want to be right about something. Yeah, it, I think it just makes us open our eyes to really the officials that are electing in the office. Do they really care about what's going on in our in our society, communities, or economy? For all that matters or is it more about political things that really don't concern us well but we should know that that's the reason i'm not too fond to vote because like you know, they're gonna tell you what you want they don't they what have they done for us lately not a damn thing everybody else is getting taken care of on our watch all over the world they'll do nothing for us right and it seems like okay COVID's over you still see people that are out of work and if you are you still remain working after COVID, a lot of things got cut because covid you know so wages got cut you know jobs got cut certain things because covid messed us all up but 
I mean, don't you think that the government should have stepped in and thought about that? Hey, you know, after COVID, everybody's going to experience a lot of things. Like, a lot of people are facing evictions now because of, you know, being hit by COVID or other things. It's like, okay, what, what are you guys doing for us now? Now you see all these people get evicted. They don't care because they somewhere put up. Yeah. They still making their money. They was making double the money. The money that was getting took away from us, they was doubling them. Come yeah. on now. As long as they're getting a pay raise in the in politics and the state and the Senate, they don't give a shit. Just talk a bunch of bull just talk a bunch of bullshit that don't matter to us and just screw our kids over any one way or the other. Well, hopefully something's gotta change in changing this world soon. Cause it's just getting uglier and uglier. And that is our episode for today. We, we're going to have an episode right after this because we did miss Sunday. But we want to say thank you to all our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment. And also remember, we are available on the following platforms. Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Our Facebook page is Diversity in the D. Our email is D-I-B-E-R-C-I-T-Y-I-N-T-H-E. D at gmail.com. If you'd like to comment or suggest a case, anything you'd like to say? Would you like to say, let's keep them kids safe, these women safe. Everybody take care of themselves and thank you guys again. Really appreciate the support. Keep it going. Send suggestions, anything, you know. Oh, and happy Father's Day to the fathers. That we missed out on saying happy Father's Day too and happy Juneteenth to everybody. And that will be all for this episode. Bye.